everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Shut the Fuck Up, We Are Not Done Talking Yet. Today's date is Thursday, May 21st. And I hope that's correct. It's okay. totally correct. And the reason why I shook my head is because I can't believe it's May 21st. I know. That's this all. Entire Go ahead. Month, yeah, this so month I... has flown by. You know what? We are well into more than two months of shelter in place, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that is so crazy. Uh, yeah, officially Contra Costa County started March 17th. And my husband and I started on March 12th. So yeah, wow, it's starting to feel almost normal, only not normal. It's not I normal. guess I'm getting, I'm getting used to it, but I don't think it's normal. It's not As normal, in, but we are getting used to it. Yeah, I think we're just getting used to it, but it still feels like there's an effort. I mean, even though I now clean my kitchen like 10 times a day and wipe it down <laughs> with bleach wipes after every meal, that itself still, it's not a habit even now. It still seems like something I have to remember to do. I have to remember, I've only left the house a few times. I had to go to the doctor and it was like this production. I've got this checklist. Okay, I've got to make sure I bring along my mask, my wipes, my hand sanitizer, um, I was reading online that this one doctor, right before the outbreak started, he and his family flew down to Australia because they already had the trip and he was pretty sure he wouldn't be able to see his parents for a long time if they didn't go. So they went, a 22-hour flight, and some of the precautions they took were, they were all wore hoodies to remind themselves to keep their hands in their pockets. So like I wore a hoodie to my doctor's office. <laughs> so I had like this checklist to get in there. And the only thing I forgot, I didn't bring my own pen to sign. And then as soon as I got home, I took off all my clothes in the garage and went inside and showered, washed my hair. And then I went back to the garage and I got all of the items that I had taken. I had limited the number of items I took. I was like, no chapstick, nothing special, just identification, keys, that's it. And I threw them in our UV light machine. Yeah, we have a UV light machine. It's, it, <laughs> it's so fun. Did that since COVID he started? Did. Oh, yeah, we're into UV light. Okay, mm -hmm. can, can I get, if I come over, can I get UV light tan? You could not because your body will not fit in there. A, B, it will like fry your eyes. It's, really, it's kind of scary. He also has a standalone UV lamp, and you have to wear these special yellow glasses, goggles, if you are going to be anywhere near that. I don't, I avoid it. It's scary. Right. What I do when I come home, Sharla, from the store is I wipe everything that I bought or touched, and even the bags and the post, the mail, with with wipes. And I, I, right. I, I miss the whole, the whole, um, what do you call it? Uh, hoarding at the beginning where everyone got hand sanitizer, toilet paper, and a few other things. I got nothing, zero, flour, zero. So I was using 
wipes that I found in my emergency kit for fires and earthquakes and yep. pouring a little um, uh, alcohol on each one. And that's how we clean everything. And I still mm -hmm. technically don't have um, hand, uh, hand sanitizer. But anyway, go ahead. I interrupted you. No, that's okay. Well, it's funny you should say that because I was thinking the other day that this, like, what is this experience like? And one thing it's like is a disaster, a natural disaster. But it's a man-made natural disaster, right? Because, like, if humans hadn't eaten a pangolin or whatever, this virus wouldn't have leaped from the animal world into the human world. And so, so it's like, true. it's sort of this weird combination of something like, um, you know, a hurricane or an earthquake, something that would disrupt everything and make everyone stay home. But it's so man-made. And I find that to be, that makes it sort of worse. It's like, we did this to ourselves. I completely agree that we did this to ourselves. And let's go a step further. The reason why those nutty people in China eat completely just like food that the West, we were horrified by it. And I'll tell you why. Because Mao Zedong starved them to the point that um, I believe it's 30 million people are proven to be dead, but it may be way more than that. So they became habitual weird food eaters. So they're like hunting bats that every bird is gone. Like there's no wild bird life left in, um, in China, hardly anywhere. Probably some are coming back in the mountains, but they yes. don't have any because they ate them in, yep. you know, 1950 and all the sixties. And I don't remember when it got together when they had food again. I'm sorry, I should know that. So that is, so let's just blame Mao Zedong, God, which I is a no stretch. Idea. Yeah, no, I'm going to blame it on him because, um, you know, a friend asked me recently, um, she said, Danielle, I don't understand about the Chinese thing and what, you know, who's keeping clean there or what. And then we had this conversation. I read an essay once of a, a man who grew up in the, um, in the Cultural Re Revolution and he was starving, mm -hmm. a little boy, and he went outside and opened his mouth when it was snowing to pretend it was rice. Yes. And that really stuck with me. So I don't know if we're like getting somewhere or I'm just making crazy, you know, accusations, but I would like to go back. And <laughs> you know what? He's a terrible, it was a dreadful, dreadful man. Well, I think that this is a really good point. I mean, it's not like all these weird creatures are part of traditional Chinese cuisine dating back hundreds of years. And that makes total sense. You know, I guess my perception is that there's some interest in these strange creatures because of the special properties that they endow the eater with. So that there's sometimes there's that kind of like magical thinking, like, you know, this will make me get more virile, seems to be the number one motivator. Yeah, that's with the rhino horn. We talked about that with yes. our friend who wrote the book about rhinos. So that was, that was yes. definitely true. And, and I'm going to go to this step that this is about eating because they're, they were hungry. Now, I think there's a lot of food in China and it's really inexpensive. So even poor people can easily get access to pork and flour to make noodles. And it's not expensive at all, at mm -hmm. all. So they're, they're fine. They're not starving unless there's some reason there's some like town that 
didn't have work anymore, but even they eat as far yeah. as I know. Um, but um, this is about food because they ate food because it was available. That's why they eat dogs. They eat dogs, because, mm -hmm. which uh, horrifies us in the West because it's a pet because they were hungry. And then they were like, oh, well, this tastes kind of good. And they have this festival and, and recurring stuff. They do it because it's a habit, not because they, they can't understand why we think eating a cow is right. better than eating a dog or eating a goat or any of those things. Mm -hmm. We just think it because we're like, oh, actually, if we all stared into the face of a cow when it was being slaughtered, I'm sure we would all feel a little differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think there are definitely cultural differences around what animals are appropriate to eat and what aren't, you know, and what we domesticated versus what for food versus what we take and have as pets. Um, and some of those can't be really justified, you know, like horse meat is something that is eaten elsewhere that just seems really repulsive to us. But it seems repulsive they, to us. And you know what else they eat? And this is a Northern Chinese thing is donkey. And they would even, mm -hmm. now we, I never saw that in Shanghai, but I was like, no, at not, not only is it, it's there, it's at the, the Hyatt Beijing where he's going to go to some fancy you know, buffet at the diamond lounge, yes. blah, blah, blah. And he, and they're like, it says donkey. So, you know, you know, what some man said to him, another American guy, he goes, it's the best piece of ass I've ever had. I, I was waiting for that. Shit. I'm sorry for the bad joke. I'm sorry. It's terrible. <laughs> but all right. I'm glad you left. <laughs> I knew that ass was going to be in there. I wasn't <laughs> sure how. I thought he might say something like, donkey, sell yourself to some donkey. That would have been funny also. That would have also been funny. And not, not they, quite as sexist, but Well, we okay. should at some other time, because we, we came on this show to decide to talk about what, um, what, what were we talking about? What were we going to talk about? We do have a topic, listeners. We'll soon be getting to that topic. Um, but let's just conclude here. I do have to add that, yeah, the time I was in Shanghai, twice, I guess, on business, I was told, and then I noticed it was true. There were no birds in the parks or the town, the city as you walked around. There were no dogs. There were no cats. I saw one cat as a pet, and it was on a leash. Okay. And that was there, it. There are tons of cats. Um, uh, Shanghainese like cats a lot and most of them live inside in their house and some come out a little bit and there were um, absolutely huge numbers of stray cat um, what are those called like a feral colony in front of the pool beach thing we had in my um, apartment complex we had this right. really fantastic pool it was a wave pool they could make oh, it yeah. like, have little waves and a huge beach and there were heaps of cats and there's oh, signs everywhere don't feed cat you know and the old ladies they couldn't they couldn't they just are, have big hearts they go down there and fed all the cats and then there were <laughs> it was really fun but they were terrified of us you know what you kind of disappeared there for a second and i think it was when you said tons of cats i mean kittens were you talking about kittens there are so many on cats and kittens did you hear the part where i said that the old ladies fed them? Yes. Okay. okay. But okay. I think they do have, they do have pets. Chinese like pets. Okay. And it was a long time ago I was in Shanghai now that I think about it. All right. 
Well, today's topic, we're going to start with what have we experienced that was unexpected during this unprecedented event? There's been many things that are different. We've all had experiences that we did not expect to have, all sorts of conversations, just things are different. So I thought it would be fun for us to tell each other some things that we have experienced that were just like, huh, unexpected, kind of stuck with you, stood out. And uh, document what we're experiencing. Because, right. you know, someday, someday there would be people doing research on this pandemic. And our podcast will be a record of it in real time, All right. what we're experiencing. And so we are actually, we are performing a very valuable social function. Yes. That's so true. Not to mention the entertainment value we provide for our listeners today in the middle of lockdown and shelter in place. The entertainment also, value is really strong. And if you know, you people would just get on here and listen a little bit more and share with your friends. I would like um, some more listeners and I would like some more listeners in Europe. So get on that. Um, but I'll answer, yeah. your, I'll answer your question, Charlotte. The first, so the first thing I noticed is that I like to cook more. Mm -hmm. And um, why? I, because there's, I don't want to go to restaurants and I don't want to order in too much. I'm okay with ordering in once a week or less but i just was like oh this is good food let's make it so there i have a garden box coming one of those csa's the oh yeah um, farm fresh to you and we just make food i have to say we were doing even better when lila stayed with us for the better part of two and a half weeks or three weeks then we did even better with cooking because she was really interested in cooking at 12 o'clock she kept saying mom what's for dinner i'm like what are you five it was really <laughs> <laughs> but she was really on it about making meal plans and cooking. It wasn't just because she wanted me to make it. I was like, Cuddy, you have a tape warmer or, or something? She's so little. She's skinny. And I watch she eats so much. Um, oh, and then and then I'll just no, you you go you first. I'll I'll say something later. You start. Okay. What, what else did you but want? But I just have to have a sidebar. Okay, one time my sister-in-law told me that her three daughters, when they were in junior high and high school, in the morning, she'd be in the kitchen fixing breakfast, and they would be upstairs in their bedrooms texting her their questions about what's for dinner tonight, mom, and putting in their orders for like avocado toast and what they want for breakfast. Oh, slap those kids right now. That's oh not okay. God. That They're is not so okay. Lovely. Walk okay. down they the stairs. Out to be okay. Oh, I know. Right. I'm sorry. No, just on them. They sound lovely. Okay, but they, no, they had been well cared for. All right, here's something that really surprised me. My husband has been making kimchi. Okay, wait, that doesn't surprise me. He has been making kimchi like every other day. And I gave him a kimchi kit about two years ago at Christmas. It took him a while to get around to it, but now he's like totally fired up. So the surprise for me is that I actually like kimchi. I do not like his kimchi, it is too spicy. But he's been buying all sorts of kimchi as well. And some of it's mild, who knew? 
and it does not smell like rotting cabbage. It's, it's tasty. not great. Yeah. No, but also you are you are just promoting your gut health. You are taking care of business. That is so true. And my immune system is flourishing. flourishing. Which is a good thing. Because I had an immunotherapy treatment on Monday and one two weeks before. And yeah, I can tell my immune system was really pumping on Monday. My fever was a hundred and I had chills. Of course, now it's Thursday. I feel fine. Good. But yes, kimchi, mild kimchi is basically like slaw with like chunky pieces and actually delicious. So I was really surprised. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Um, you actually said this before, but I'll say it too. I'm really enjoying my time with my husband. I think when we got into it originally, we were on top of each other. He works at home anyway and has for a long time. So that wasn't the problem that everyone's home is that I guess I couldn't go anywhere and I wasn't doing my regular activities. And then Lila came to live with us. So I had two people working full time at home and nowhere for me. So we got a little on top of each other and, and now it's very nice. And he's being very considerate. Like, Danielle, what time is your podcast slash appointment slash class today? I'm like, it's from 12 to two. So he won't come in and make a vitamin shake, Vitamix shake, which is very loud, or make a sandwich with everything in the fridge. And I'm like, I'm working on the phone. I was yeah. on Zoom, excuse me. And so he finally got the message and he's considerate. Love it. I'm happy to hear that. I'm not surprised. I think, you know, Bob's a lovely person. It's probably just a matter of becoming aware. You know, it's like, I hate to be interrupted when I'm writing in my office. And it's taken me a while to get that message across. Um, my husband has interrupted me countless times for the best reasons to let me know he's going to Trader Joe's. Do I need anything? That sort of thing. And so I think the ultimate was that I have a door hanger on there now that I got as a gift from my goddaughter. She got it in Mexico. It says, no molestar, do not molest. I mean, well, do not disturb. And there's something about that that got through to him. I mean, it's not like he speaks Spanish, but I know. it just looks official. It's kind of heavy. It's made out of wood. It's painted. Right. And uh, he finally, yeah, now he doesn't, he just texts me. I'm leaving the house. He does so much better. And we have a problem that we only have one car now because we lent one to Sydney in San Francisco so she can drive over and see us. And he can't get in the habit of leaving the key out of his office. So then I realize I'm taking the car and then I have to go in. And then he gives me kind of a look and I'm like, dude, it's your problem. And so where's the second key? There, every time we get a car, the, first, the other key's like lost forever. Like, why can't we have two copies, maybe three of a car key? You've only had it for a couple months. So that's just, so then I have to walk in and get it. And he gives me a look. I'm like, hey, I'm going somewhere. So like, yeah, doesn't matter. So I have an idea though. I want to talk about this more, but I have a little surprise for us. A little surprise. Okay. Yes. So let me, let me put us on pause and then we'll um, take right. a break. We'll, we'll right take back. a break. So now we're all wearing masks in my house, and I have Sydney, my daughter, and her friend and roommate, Alex. Good. 
Welcome, girls. Thanks for joining us. I'm not wearing a mask because I'm all by myself in my room, but I kind of feel like I should have one on. Maybe. Are, are you on the beach in Tahiti or in your office? I, I am on a digital virtual beach in Hawaii. Yeah. Don't you like that background? It's got, it's even, it's video. So it's like this palm tree is swaying and the beach nice. the waves are crashing. Yeah. It's very relaxing. I like it. But at any rate, gosh, so the girls are joining us. Yeah. That's great. You guys, we want to hear all about what's going on with you and the outside world. What has it been like? Are you not working? How are you hanging out with boyfriends, girlfriends, social life, dating? I mean, what's happening? Um, so we have been following stay at home pretty strictly. So we've been in our house for at least eight weeks now, maybe longer. But I was unemployed starting in November, been at home for ages, it feels. Yeah. And yeah, we're both unemployed. Um, I was working at a restaurant when this all started to happen. So um, yeah, my last day of work, I think was March 15th or 16th. And surprisingly, the economic aspect is just like not stressful at all. It was a weird couple of weeks waiting for all the unemployment to kick in, but mm -hmm. it's been, that part has been so manageable. Like I have more than enough money to survive and uh, to even save because there are so many things that I used to basically like just waste money on and like I don't really think of it as waste because going out and doing things is one of the reasons to live in a city and it's really fun but like I you know, haven't taken an Uber in two months which <laughs> is expensive <laughs> and I've only eaten restaurant food like twice in the past eight weeks I cook every single meal for myself um well, so that's for here that's true. Yeah, not it's, it's true that a couple other people have made me meals or made parts of my meals a few times, but it's been like like eighty five plus percent of my meals are cooked by me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's you know, I guess that's true for a lot of people. And that must be a huge savings to not be eating out. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. You guys are roommates, correct? Yeah. Correct. And we have three more roommates as well. Are your other roommates also doing the same level of shelter in place or? Yeah, we've all been doing like the same, pretty much the same, I think, out of, like we've all had some social distance hangs with like one other household at least in our backyard, but no one really comes inside and we just kind of hang out in the yard or the garage. Um, yeah. But, you know, actually I feel like, um, well, since I was already unemployed, despite all of the terrible parts of COVID-19, it's actually been um, a blessing for me in some ways because before this, I wasn't eligible for unemployment. So because of COVID, I was able to get on unemployment. Um, oh, yeah. I see. That's, that, that is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then as far as, um, you know, I'm a music producer, it's actually been really great for my music career too. Um, because now that a lot of venues have been moving their events online, they're kind of a little bit 
they're reaching out to more people to see if they want to stream, you know, um, you know, I kind of hang out in a crowd of musicians where there's a lot of like, you know, a lot of DJs, a lot of like live visual music aspects, but um, it's, it's really cool that, you know, before this, I didn't really have any gigs and now I've had two, so. That is kind of a cool aspect. Yeah, I really noticed a lot of theatrical things, performances, all kinds of things that would have just been more limited are now they're just like kind of nonstop. It's pretty cool. And also, I mean, at the moment, a lot of them are doing things that are free. Like last, last night, we had tickets for City Arts and Lectures, Danielle and I did, um, with Mary Carr. And they, this, they did it live on YouTube. And then, I mean, it's always been recorded and available later. But, you know, now they just make it free. Mm-hmm. when it's live yeah and they'll usually have um, an option to donate too so even though yes the events that i've been doing have been free i've made some money doing them so from now the- when you do when you're a music producer what does that mean exactly <laughs> <laughs> but i um so cindy and i met in college we both went to the conservatory of music um but while i was there i um you know, found myself a little bit more drawn to the electronic music production side of it. So what that is, is just like composing music via like electronics or like a computer rather than like an actual instrument. So. Okay. Yeah. Then an acoustic instrument. Do you play, do you play an acoustic instrument also? I play the French horn. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So you're a composer as well as a player or producer? Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a, a good way to describe what being a producer is, is that you, you do compose your own music, but it's not about playing like an analog instrument necessarily. It's about you as like as an artist can make an entire musical experience or you know, thing, track, album, whatever, sort of on your own. Or you could do it with somebody else and that would still be production, but kind of like the song might sound or a track might really complete without it being a band per se which we think of being multiple people multiple you know physical instruments versus right computer programs and like synthesizers but every all music that you listen to there's a music producer like it's not even just the act of creating it like think of like someone who like like a like a production like a like a musical or like something theater like you have producers that work on that you're just creating the thing in its entirety, basically. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Um, I think in my mind, I figured it was sort of like a producer in the theater where you're the person who organizes everything and brings people together. And, but then also that you have technical expertise. Mm-hmm. You're not just like the project manager. Yeah, exactly. What do you both think it's like for um, other your other friends and people your age? Like, what's what are you getting the vibe of how this is going? I think it's really hard for some people because they don't live. Uh, so we're really lucky that we live in the sunset sunset district of SF, and we have a lot of space and like nice places to walk. But um, my friend, she lives in Soma in SF and does not feel comfortable going outside at all because of the density and all the you know. Um, crime that's happening right now. So 
Yeah, I agree. The same thing happens to me. Um, I really like all of our neighborhoods here in Oakland and I feel great walking around doing my errands. And I went to the post office on MacArthur and Fruitvale and, and I, I didn't have my credit card. Long story, I went to the bank to get cash. And like while I was at the bank, this man accosted me. He didn't, he um, had a mask on. It's like a, you know, crazy homeless guy. And he shouted at me really close to my face. And first he made me, you know, startled me. And then I walked across the street and I did my post thing. But I go, this is not safe. And, they, right and there's like, and there's like 20 people waiting to go in Wells Fargo because they're probably cashing checks that they can't deposit. So there's this line and they're kind of all talking to each other and like some people have masks and some people don't like the whole thing is a freaking scene so i was talking about how i need to go to the post office because all i do is buy postage for my crazy postcard mailing around the country thing and bob's like don't go back there it stresses you out the people are dangerous he's like go to a nice post office i'm like all right all right <laughs> Sorry. you know you you can order uh them online I did. I did. And it takes a little while. Like it I takes a while. I need them yeah. today. I need them today. So that's okay. Well, that's just my little rant about it doesn't feel safe outside all the way. And you really did they live in such a mellow part of San Francisco. I totally agree. I'm glad because I was thinking about people who are, you know, told just go take walks in your neighborhood, you know, don't go very far from home. It's like, yeah, that's great if you live where I live, out in the East Bay. I can walk in my neighborhood, it's gorgeous. But there are plenty of people who live someplace where, yeah, they don't wanna go spend a lot of extra time walking around their neighborhood. It's not nice or it's not safe. Right, and um, and folks, like this is probably two weeks ago, three weeks ago, they were having picnics on Lake Merritt on the grass because they live in apartments and they're really bummed out and stressed out. So they're out having like a hundred person picnic. Some people are wearing, face masks some people aren't it's like because they want to go outside did you see the social distance soliciting yeah so if you can look it up there's a photo of dolores park and what they've done is they've drawn these circles that are all six feet apart from each other so you can go to the park and sit in them i think they started doing it in new york yeah i saw a picture in new york i think i thought that was so clever it's a really great idea absolutely i mean it's like you just go with your group and stay in the circle Mm -hmm. in the bubble that's reasonable i'm talking like they're having a barbecue first of all there are no barbecue pits there. like bringing all their stuff and they're out and then the next time someone went by they said the police are there like okay we know it's a nice afternoon you can't be here i know it's so sad there's so many things like that where people just really need to get together they, they need want to get, get together their with their kids and working that probably went wacko a long time ago. Well, so something I've been thinking about a lot is, uh, um, you know, how things can seem unfair in this um, mm -hmm. because so as we just stated that like, you know, Sydney, like Sydney and I, we live in a really great neighborhood and like we have a park nearby that's not really not that, you know, busy because we kind of live, you know, out a little bit out there in SF. But then we're also expected to say like, well, all those people have Golden Gate Park. There's so many people outside. It's like, well, yeah, but probably because these people don't have the luxury that we have. You know, that's right. Also, you know, with me personally, with uh, we were talking about this with city, like with dating, it's like, am I personally, am I expected to not date anymore because you know I'm single? But then people with long-term partners get to like see their partner all the time. So it's like, 
trying to find ways to like balance, you know, being safe with like people being able to live their lives, um, you know, yes. in, you know, in that way. So I think like with the park stuff, I think that's really great if they, you know, do the social distance circles so that people who, you know, do live in small apartments can go and do that safely with masks on, like, of course, like they need to be, you know, doing all of that. And then, you know, people like me who are single, like, of course, we're not just going to like, okay, well, like, I'm going to go like on eight days a week with like random people, but it's like, you know, being more selective, but I should still be able to allow, um, I should be allowed to have that part of my life, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think that, I think that we have to make a lot of changes and accommodations. Like, we're not going to go back to the way it was before for a very long time. Mm -hmm. But then at the other hand, the kind of extreme stay in place orders that we had initially those aren't sustainable everybody can't stay home forever it's just that's impossible for so many reasons so we have to get used to things like our masks and social circles and, i mean i play i played pickleball the other day for the first time and my friend and i were really careful like we reserved one of the two courts in walnut creek um, they have all these rules. You have to use your own balls when you serve. Um, you have to wipe down everything. Singles only, no doubles, so that you don't get too close to anyone. And then they had this huge list of rules, which I totally agree with. And you were also supposed to play with a mask. But since there was nobody in the court next to us, we didn't. But it was kind of like, okay, this is what you have to do. If you want to go play pickleball, during the pandemic, you got to do this checklist thing mm -hmm. and wear a mask on and off the court. And when I paid for the court, had to have my mask on, did the whole hand thing. So yeah, you know, we just have to really make some adjustments. I mean, on the surface, they don't seem that huge mm -hmm. to me. Um, but that's probably because like I'm retired and I, well, I'm home a lot anyway. I just don't go out as much as I used to. I've got a husband, I've got a house, I've got a garden. So um, it's not as much of a burden on me. No, because that's I'm happy not to a burden it. on us at all. We're having our like, you know, we're sort of white girls with uh, yeah. few challenges compared to a lot of other people. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to mention, you know, at our age. I think that, yeah, as much as these adjustments don't seem like that big of a deal, um, in some regards, it's still really interesting how the situation is bringing to light things that we kind of think as like recreational, which sounds like superfluous, optional, nice to have, luxurious, are actually these basic human needs and should be rights. Um, you know, if you look at like the Maslow hierarchy of needs, what's the bottom needs? It's like, you know, shelter, food, water, something like that. Mm -hmm. But it, it's proving that like pretty close to that is socialization and the, the ability to just be in more than one place, even if it's uh, just walking around the block safely. Um, but that's actually really more of a basic human need and we're gonna need to figure out how to make that possible for more people. Cause it is physically so unhealthy for humans to be- mm -hmm. Isolated like that. Mm -hmm. Stuck in a room and also not seeing enough people. Um, it's like yep. a basic part of our 
human evolution that however many thousands of years ago, we only survived as groups of humans. If you got separated from the herd or weren't accepted by your tribe, you weren't going to be able to successfully get food together, hunt, gather, safely raise, protect children. Um, so that's like hard coded into our DNA. So if we're alone for too long, it will make you physically ill. Absolutely. They, Absolutely. They say it's as that being socially isolated is as bad as smoking. I don't know what else. High blood pressure. It's just like it's a, it's a huge risk factor. I was just with physical health. To the Savage Lovecast yesterday, the Dan Savage. I don't know if you're familiar, but mm -hmm. he was oh, yeah. about how the Dutch have um, now like they believe that sex is essential too. He was like talking about that too. Like what's like you're talking about like uh, you know socialization. It's like even with that. So you know with with dating, like we're just gonna have to figure out ways to like have some some normal like just some normal aspects of life again. So. And I don't really think that the changes that we have to make are that hard. It's like, boo-hoo, we have to wear a mask. Boo-hoo, I need to wash my hands eight times a day. Like, my, it's not that difficult. Like, you know, it's really not that hard. I think yeah. another basic need is also access to nature and the yep. natural world. And, you know, that kind of goes back to our conversation about parks, that, you know, people need to be able to be in green spaces in some fashion. Green spaces or at the very least direct to sunlight at least once a day. Like not yeah. some people are maybe able to sit in their window and soak in a little bit of sun if they live downtown, but you know, probably not everybody. Mm -hmm. No, and worldwide, oh my gosh, people live in some pretty terrifying situations um, that are also getting really bad uh, COVID infest infestations. Mm -hmm. That's a nice thing to say, Danielle. That's not the right word. But yeah, like they're their their life's already kind of not great. And then they're all yeah. getting and they live very, very much on top of each other. So again, yes, it needs a right and we're we're used to socializing. And it's not forever. This is I don't think that we're gonna be doing this much after, you know, mid or late to 2021. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it's not forever. But you know, it might be feel like a really long time to Alex if she can't have a date. Yeah, well, yes, it <laughs> would. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, I think it's actually going to be a while before people will be, I mean, I think it'll be like 18 months, because even if you develop a vaccine mm -hmm. like that, you have to mass produce it, and then you have to distribute it. And honestly, until it's around the entire world distributed, and the pandemic is truly over, that's going to take a really, really long time. So long. Um, I mean, obviously, between now and that point, we'll have to make decisions about, okay, well, everybody in San Francisco has got the vaccine now, so it's okay. But as long as there's nobody arriving in flights at SFO or roaming around who don't have it, I mean, uh, it seems like it's going to be a while. Before there's, before there's zero risk. So that's like, and from my point of view, we just have to limit our risk, but it's not going to be zero unless you just stay home forever. I just don't know what they're going to do about all the people that are unemployed now, like that literally don't have any income right now. And some people aren't able to get on unemployment. And then this is supposed to last for how long? It's like, 
I think that, you know, I, something that stresses me out is like, yeah, people are dying from COVID and it's awful, but people are going to start dying from hunger and like, mm -hmm. they're going to lose their houses. So yeah. that's like a whole other problem that I just don't, I, I feel like no one's, people are talking about it, but like no one's talking about it. Some massive um, international agency that collects uh, money from all of the countries and feeds um, people in disasters, which is like some places that's all the time. They are expecting 350 million people in starvation in 2021. 350 um, million people. So that that's insane. And that's like, okay, so we should all be more careful when we, you know, throw out the last four slices of bread, that type of thing. But it doesn't matter. We need to get it somewhere else and we need to fund that. And then if the country's <laughs> they are not giving folks who live here, you know, proper unemployment. It's like, it's mind boggling. But there, there you go. That's always Danielle having the biggest downer of any conversation. Cause that's my, um, that's my role in life. And people get kind of annoyed with me. But I, I mean, the last time I heard that, um, I was just crying. Um, I was listening to the radio when I drove somewhere, which is like only happened three times. Yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of unimaginable how much. Unimaginable suffering there's going to be as a result and especially anybody who's already close to the edge they're the ones who are really going to experience it and already are so um it does make you feel really grateful to have what we've got because we're the lucky ones even though we have our little issues our little meltdowns yeah, yeah. We can, we have the ability to help other people. And that's where, that's one of the things I'm, I'm gearing up to do is I've become, when I get completely more comfortable going out is to do social distancing, feeding homeless. So like with the stuff mm -hmm. that's coming from restaurants, cause restaurants are donate, donating all the, no, they're being paid by city of Berkeley and a couple other institutions mm -hmm. to pass out meals every lunch. So to get into that, as passing it yeah. out, not feeling like I'm right on top of people, so I won't be afraid. So things like that, like we could all do that. Begin to yeah. find a way to yeah. help that's safe, like not because we're going to all run out there and put ourselves in harm's way. Yeah, so yeah. true. I mean, it's interesting that certain underlying problems like homelessness, which has been a big problem for decades now, actually. Um, I think like since the Reagan administration, that's when a lot of it happened and has been continuing. But somehow with this pandemic, all of a sudden there are efforts to figure it out and get people housing and get them food and get them services. And so I'm hopeful sometimes that the pandemic will force some positive changes around things that have just been ignored. Here's, like, here's the Danielle. Who care. Okay, they can live. Okay, they can younger. live in the. They can live in the malls. So all this, the malls will be empty for decades. So if they fix them up to be housing, then they. But they just need a lot of management. They need a lot of um, social workers to be in there. But like to help, maybe they can get better. Maybe they can be in alcohol treatment or drug treatment and stay. I don't know. Maybe you know, just an idea. Office buildings. Yeah. The mm -hmm. modern office building is not going to come back ever i think the way that it was mm. yeah. yeah that's a good point the cubicle lifestyle i mean employers are probably realizing at this very moment just how much money they can save by not having people in cubicles and having them work at home 
Yeah, I think some people would still like to go back to work. Like, you know, maybe a couple lives in a studio and they're both trying to work from home and that's just insane. There's just not enough space. Right. Sure some people would like to go back to the office as soon as they can, but not everybody, especially now all of these major humongous companies are making it optional. Um, I think yep. that they will have to downsize their space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think and there's so right. much room for people to go live that, you know, somehow to mod, you know, make mod, modulate that, make, put in beds and rooms. You know, of course we do. Of course we do. But do we need as much housing when the economy tanks? Are they, is everyone going to go somewhere else? Like, I, I have no idea. People that make San Francisco amazing are going to be pushed out of the city because they're not going to be able to afford to live there. Anymore. Yeah. And the arts are suffering. The arts are suffering because nobody can go to the, um, you know, the shows, the ballet, mm -hmm. opera, symphony, theater, yes. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And also, you know, dance programs and other fun things that we do. Um, yeah. yeah. Me about the arts. Closing down. The stud is, I saw that in the newspaper. I had a fit. It's the stud that's been out since the 80s, right? Oh, probably since like 1970. Itself is not like they're going to try to find a new space like that location. It's a, um, it's a wonderful gay bar on the corner of, um, I'm going to say like 9th and Harrison. Yeah. It's fabulous. It's been there forever. When you're driving to the city and off that exit, and you probably, if you go up to the art, you know, to Midtown Civic Center, you probably passed it a hundred times. Yeah. It's incredible. And yeah. they keep, it is a landmark. It is like, the you know our um what's the what's the thing on christopher street in san francisco uh, after yes. new york city the um stone oh my mm -hmm. god how embarrassing yep. that's anyway nope, very like famous mm -hmm. massive gay land land really land. there that's right um stonewall. Stonewall. thank you sorry danielle's brain went to heck deep breath so I'm thinking, I know, would you want to both want to say a couple more things that you're on your minds? Um, well, I was going to say regarding something that's probably a bit more specific to people closer to our age, and it's not my friends in particular, but Alex has mentioned this a few times, I'm sure friends of friends are going through this. Um, all of the people who are couples who weren't necessarily living together before the pandemic, but either moved in together in a hurry or decided to shelter in place together during the pandemic, even if they're technically keeping their respective homes. I think that's taking off. And uh, I'm really curious to see how that works out for all of these couples. Because some people that I have, like I said, I have a couple of friends who have been dating for years and decided to get a place together in like January. So they made it happen by like late February, early March. And then two weeks later, now they can literally only see each other. <laughs> It's Surprise! But then there's like, yeah, other levels of people who are like, oh, I'm just really afraid of being alone, or I can't stand the thought of being without my partner for that long, which is totally respectable and fine. Um, my partner and I went the opposite way. We decided it sounded too claustrophobic to try to stay with each other in just one of our homes, especially since we both have multiple roommates and just like a bedroom to ourselves. We were like, that just sounds too crazy. I would rather not see you for two, two months or however long it's going to be but i'm like if you really like the person it, you're going to see them for two months anyways like exactly i have lots of opinions about this which is why I was oh that's why you're here but also just because like i'm like i'm like oh no no one picked me to shack up with during COVID 19 but also 
But also, I just feel like, yeah, like Sydney and Effie, it's like, or sorry, I don't know if I answered that, mentioned that thing, but Sydney Sydney and her partner, like, they're gonna, like, they love each other. So it's like, after all this, like, they're still gonna be in love. It's like, if you're questioning whether or not you're still gonna be in love with your partner after COVID-19, like, just break up, you know? Like, no, if anything, I feel like probably with me and my current partner, with both of our personalities and our need for like alone time and our specific living situations, we would probably break up because of COVID. It's just credit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you'd be stuck. Yeah. So it's, um, I'm, I'm lucky that we both have that self awareness and that awareness for relationships. And then everybody does. And it's like totally fair to be afraid of missing sex for a couple months or just not having somebody to love or hold you. But also, like, what if? you live by yourself in a studio and so you literally wouldn't touch another person like I have to make some friends with so we can like hug each other at least you know like what if your option was have this rando or maybe not a rando but somebody I've been dating for a while kind of don't know that well come stay with me for an infinite amount of time space or touch nobody because that goes back to this like the physical danger of loneliness so I, I see reasons to do it. I see reasons to not do it. I just hope that everyone who did make their choice made like it. They break up so they can come date me after. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's going to be a like a lot of divorces and a lot of marriages after this. Yes. The divorce is my opinion. The, what's the expression? No. <laughs> oh wow! I didn't know that. Yeah. Wait. Say that again. The divorce rate in Wuhan is off the charts right now. I saw that as soon as people were safe to leave the house, um, yeah, I was reading that in the Wall Street Journal of all places, that people were just coming out like as soon as they could get the hell out, they were on their way to the divorce lawyer's office. Well, you know, it's funny because my husband and I have been married 35 years and we're really having a blast. I mean, even though it's overall stressful, um, it's not stressful to be together. That's actually a really a joyful, fun part of the whole thing, and something that surprised me. That we just we're having a great time. We yeah. love each other even more, and I think we're closer for sure yeah. than we were before. That you married the right person. I think that married the right guy. That's what I keep telling people. Survive, stay at order with. Word. Yes. Word. Wait. Can you say that again? We should be marrying people that we can survive a stay at home order with. That's like, right. Or yeah, like anything in general. Like, like a really good That's like, I always think that a, a long road trip is a really great um, prerequisite to getting married. Especially like a road trip where things go wrong, maybe a camping trip where it rains. Those kinds of experiences really prepare you for adversity because it's one of the key things you realize when you're married or you're just a partner for a long period of time. Adversity is going to show up. And when it does, how will the two of you react? That's great and, advice. I dated a guy who couldn't even deal with just going to the mall. So. Okay, see, there you go. That's not the guy. Yeah, you not. need somebody who's good. Like my husband is, okay, he's super paranoid, which doesn't sound that great, but in a, in a pandemic, it's really good. Cause he wor he's worried about everything and he is a gear guy. So he's like purchased everything we need. He loves to go online and buy things, but also he has a hilarious sense of humor. 
And so, I mean, every day I laugh so hard that I actually have to tell him to stop making me laugh because my stomach hurts. <laughs> so I think that's another key, just if we're on the advice thing, look for somebody who can make you laugh. Because yeah. laughter is another really great thing to have in a marriage. Yeah. A and then in this situation, but also could be, you know, a lasting thing in a relationship that one person has it together and because like, okay, you know, it's an emergency we're going to do this and the other person can kind of fall apart. And if you switch sometimes, yeah. it's kind of okay. Like we did that, like you have, you know, you have little children and like my, I always was good in an emergency. It's like the baby's crying and she, she has high fever and I, and I would like just be in gear to do the next thing. And then now as an adult, like I occasionally like fall down, go, I can't do this anymore. And Bob's like, hey, babe, you got this. It's my hand. So on the other hand, you know, yeah, like I think that's such good advice. Like definitely like, you know, you want your long-term life partners to be people that you can survive a pandemic with. But I think, you know, on the other end of it, some, like something I've been looking at is like, you should also feel comfortable with yourself during the pandemic. So like, you should, like, I know that a lot of people are struggling with like mental illness, like, you know, being mm -hmm. alone, like um, people who, you know, maybe use um, their social interactions as a clutch to like, like stay away from like reflecting on themselves. So like, that's been like a really good thing is like, you know, I want to come out of this being, you know, the best version of myself. So that whenever I do start meeting people, I'm like, I feel great about myself. I just like, you know, spent the last, you know, two or three months not because like, I'm a social butterfly. I love talking to people, but you know, spent like this time working on myself so that I can give you the best version of myself. Like you should also feel comfortable with yourself during a Yeah, absolutely. That's yep. That makes so much sense. And I think that's really true. I mean, I think once you've survived something that's really difficult, you know, you do take away a sense of, I don't know, like accomplishment or a sense that, hey, I did it. You just feel stronger and you feel better about yourself afterwards. And it is a good time for reflection. I mean, I think the pandemic is really like, it's kind of a mirror to everything. It's a mirror to our society. It's a mirror to ourselves. And, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. I'm, I'm whatever, I'm 64. I'm, just, I'm still learning things about myself as a result of being in this situation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's one of those things that it, you have to look at it as a learning experience. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I think, well, um, I think we should wrap it up because we did a really good job of shut the fuck up, we're not done talking yet with Sydney and Alex and their opinions of um, their experiences right now in pandemic and out in San Francisco and what they're doing. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And um, that was really, really good. I loved hearing about what it's like for you guys. Thank you. And thanks, thanks for right. wearing your mask. You know, it's amazing how well you guys sound even with your mask on. Isn't it's that impressive. amazing? Particulate ladies we're articulate good job good job okay nice to see you so ciao nice to see you too thanks for listening to our podcast we hope that you enjoyed this episode you can get more information about it on facebook.com backslash charla danielle podcast